Easter is a big deal. And I really trust that for all of us, that we'll have fresh revelation of Easter. For maybe many of you in the room today, you've had lots of Easter messages, lost it, lots of Easter stories. And uh, I really trust in our church for this season, for this year, that we will have a fresh, fresh revelation of the impact, the power, the majesty, the depth, the breadth, and the width of the incredible plan of God through the cross and through what Easter represents. And so I want to talk to you today. The last week was about Easter uh, reveals the power of a cross. And obviously, we're not going to get too far away from the cross because if we do, we're in trouble. And highlighted that the cross is not just for those who are lost. It's also for those who are found. So we need to consider today, Easter reveals the power of a death. I want to talk to you about death. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Um, but the truth is, Christianity is nothing without the death of Jesus. And um, sometimes we like to remove that part of the story. But I've always said this publicly in, in our type of settings in church services, is that would you read a novel if everything in the novel was nice and light and just, you know, encouraging? It wouldn't be a novel if it was just all the same. Would you go to a film that starts intense, stays intense, and finishes intense, like Alien? Not quite. The, na the, the narrative of a lot of films, the narrative or the storyline, the tension of a lot of the plots that you see today, a lot of the films that we watch, the stories, the books, a lot of them will have tension. The best ones are the ones that are full of tension. And they have an up and a down and a twist and a turn, something to win, something to lose. And we've got to be careful in our Christianity that we don't turn into this horrible uh, alternative that sometimes is presented to, him, to the world is universalism. Everyone gets in the end, love wins. Well, I honestly believe that it is the love of God that is attractive to all humanity. But don't turn God's message into a palatable message that everybody gets in the end. It's true that people reject Jesus. It is true that people will, in spite of knowing that he is their Savior and their Lord, that will walk away. And that's the mystery of when Jesus was speaking, when Paul the Apostle, the great writer of most of the New Testament, was speaking and teaching and writing, we always had three responses to the good news. Number one, people believed. Thank God today in Berlin, people are choosing to believe and putting their, their trust and their hope in a Savior. The second response is some people wanted to know more. And the third response is some people rejected. And to be honest, that if it was like that for Jesus, it's like that for us. It's always going to be three responses to the good news. Some believe, some want to know more, and some reject. In other words, we've just got to understand that's the way it is. Because Jesus has given us something to follow, and it's interesting how Easter gives us the perspective that we need. So let me introduce you today. Easter reveals the power of a death. Christianity is nothing without the death of Christ. The gospel is the ultimate story that shows victory coming out of defeat. Strength coming out of weakness. Life coming out of death. A lot of the films, the Marvel comics, and all of these things that we see today, the hero syndrome, a lot of these things that we see today all have these components. 
And there's about six or seven things that any Hollywood blockbuster is deemed to go. If it's going to become a, a blockbuster, it will always have at least six to seven uh, um, key things that they need in it. And it's amazing how the ultimate story, God's story, is the originator of all of these plots and all of these points. And so victory coming out of defeat, strength coming out of weakness, life coming out of death. The cross with Jesus on, the cross with Jesus on is not just a symbol of death of a good man. It represents the death of God Himself, the ultimate sacrifice. It represents the end of death. Thousands of men and, and women were brutally murdered or executed on the cross. The Romans mastered it. The Babylonian culture had it. The Greek civilization understood it. There was a lot of people that used this method of cruelty. But there's only one man on a cross that represented not death on a cross, but represented the end of death. That's what the cross represents to Christianity. It's not just death on a cross. It is the end of death when it comes to the power. And so let me say it this way. It represents the end of death. Mankind's greatest enemy has finally been defeated. Can anyone say amen? Can you defeat death? Has science and all the progress that science has brought to modern society, has it defeated death? Maybe one, way, one day we will finally get to Mars. Maybe we'll get out there and start building new cities and new things. I don't know. I love the optimism of humanity. I love that we've been given a spirit to conquer, to invent, to design, to create, to think about how do we go and see. But there's so much on our planet that we don't even understand. So much in our oceans we don't even understand. But let me tell you this. The more man pushes, the more man adventures, the more people explore, and the deeper they go in the oceans, and the further they go into space, all you will see is brutality, chaos. You won't find order. You won't find life. You'll find everything is brutal and it's merciless and it's working against everything that we are. And the more we push, the more we explore, the more we come up with, we find that there is no order in the universe. And then we look back and we see a planet that is beautiful, a planet that is glorious, a planet that brings hope and and health and sustenance to humanity. And I don't know how humanity can look at all of this and still not believe in an amazing, kind Creator. Do you know how expensive a NASA spacesuit is? Google it. The point I'm making here is, is could believers in Berlin just get back to the simplicity of the cross. That doesn't take away your career. It doesn't take away your master's, your bachelor's, your PhD, your, your ability to be educated. I pray inside of all of you, there's a desire to go further, to do more, to dream more, to, convent, to invent and create and, and come up with new ways of doing things. And we are seeing that in our world today. But a lot of the damage is being done. Climate and the climate of the world today is one of the biggest threats. There's no doubt about it. I don't want to swing here, but I want you to understand that how can we 
be so close to what God has given us and yet still not see and understand what God has given us. You may not understand why Jesus had to die. And I sometimes think that if you go in that direction to try and figure out, I don't understand why Joyce comes close to me and I just get all goosebumpy. Now, maybe you're a biologist, maybe you're a scientist, you can come up with all of that, but don't tell me that while I'm about to kiss her. The reason you want to kiss her, Mark, is because biology. That will kill the emotion right there. I don't want to know the science of this moment. I just want to kiss her. What I'm trying to say is there are some things. You don't need to know what's in the ingredients of the food. You just know when you smell it. When you eat it. And you want more. I don't know all the details of the death apart from what the Bible does reveal. And let me give you some perspective on that today. But you've got to understand the cross is not just a death. It's actually the end of death. It's God himself saying death, the greatest enemy humanity has ever had. It's the end of humanity's greatest enemy. And I hope you think about that. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your hold? Peace forevermore, joy everlasting, eternity secured forever. The story of salvation does not start with Jesus. It starts with Adam and Eve. It's a historical narrative of what went wrong with our world and with us. The world was a paradise in the beginning. What did Adam and Eve lose? They lost identity as God's people. They lost their place in his paradise. They lost their access to his presence. Intimacy with God was the essence of human existence. Listen to me. Intimacy with God was the essence of human existence. The reversal of blessings. The blessing became a curse. Benefits became burdens. Paradise is now a prison. Eve was to give birth to the children of Adam. What a blessing that turned into the source of injury and the greatest source of death for women for centuries and for thousands of years. Curse, Adam's curse was limited resources, an insecure future, a world that no longer responded to his command. In Genesis 3, humanity is driven out of the garden and in Revelation 21, 22, we are welcomed home. The story of Easter is way bigger than a Sunday service. It's bigger than anything you could imagine. And I just trust that this year that we will allow ourselves to be refreshed and strengthened and restored. Fresh revelation, new wine, new power coming out of this incredible narrative of this story of what God has done. Can anyone say amen? So I hope you understand all that was lost Jesus has made available. So some of the things that you need to consider what the Word of God says about the death of Christ. And we'll talk about the resurrection because we're getting there. But I want you to really consider what the power of a death can do for so many. Number one, Jesus was punished so that we could be forgiven. Jesus was punished so that we could be forgiven. There's something powerful about knowing that you can be forgiven. There's something inside of human beings that want to be forgiven. I want to know that I can be forgiven. I want to know that I can be forgiven for the things that I've done. 
remember hearing a story years ago about an archbishop, a famous archbishop in the Catholic Church, and he was telling a story around the Easter time about three young boys who were mischievous. And as they grew up, they would go into their local church and they would go to the place where they would confess to the priest. And each one of the boys had a plan to be horrendous and tell the worst things that they've ever done to the priest. It's just shock the priest. And so this young boy would come in, one of them, and he would tell me, I've done this and I've done that. And, I'm, 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 and, and, and the next one would come in after him. And then the third one, by the time the third one come in, the priest was figuring out, okay, they, these got, they, they can't be that bad. And so he comes out of his little booth and, and he grabs the third boy. The other two run away. Great friends. And, and he, he gets the young boy and he just says, listen, I know what you're up to. He says, but I want you to do something. Because you've done this, I want you to do something. I want you to walk to the end of this church where there's a, a cross with Jesus on. And I want you to approach the cross and I want you to look at the cross and say three times, it doesn't matter that you did that for me. And, and, and it's kind of a weird thing, but this is the story as it unfolds. The first time, second time, he said it, nothing. The third time, he got to the point where he said, it doesn't matter. And he couldn't say it. And he fell down. He started crying and literally had an encounter with God. And the story about them three boys, especially the boy that had an encounter with God, was the archbishop himself who went on years and years later to actually serve God in the capacity that he found himself in. And I don't know what your experience is. I don't know why, but for me, I found Jesus, or I met Jesus, I should say, on the bedroom floor in my house. Some of you, it's in the kitchen. Some of you, it's on an airplane. Some of you, it's in the most unusual places. Some of you, it's maybe in a nightclub. That sometimes is people's stories. But I want you to know that you can encounter him wherever you are because there's something inside of us that wants to know that we are forgiven. Who's going to forgive you? Who is going to let you know that you are forgiven of all your sins, past, present, and future? Who gives you that promise? And I want you to know that that's what this is all about. Jesus was punished so that you could be forgiven. I don't know if you fully understand this, but have you ever been let off from something that you did, but you got kind of off it? I've been in that situation quite a few times in my life. But I want you to understand that it's not just, oh, whatever. I remember one guy saying to me, well, why don't you just forgive us and move on? What's the big deal? Just forgive us and move on. And I understand that, but it's, it, it's, it's kind of shallow. It kind of lacks the very reality is, oh, you're forgiven. It's like there's no emotion. There's no reality. There's no transformation. I don't want to just be forgiven and move on. But what I'm trying to say is, is, if it's that easy, just forgive and move on. All of us in this room will know to forgive someone that's hurt you is not easy. It depends on how severe it is. And it can be the most challenging thing for all of us to consider. And so this is what Romans chapter 5, verses 15 to 16. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's gracious gift leads 
to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. So that's what we've got to remind ourselves is that Jesus' death was a punishment, and he was punished so that we could be forgiven. And I really hope, to under, hope you'd understand is that that's why I say openly, let's be the kind of believers that if we have a chance to go on holiday because of the time and the place and the culture we live in, can we just understand it's a choice that I want to be in the house of God. I want to be the one that comes back. I want to be about what he has done. You cannot take it for granted that he has done it for you. Like I said, the cross is not just for those that are lost. It is for those that are found. And I want you to understand this. Like for me, I never want to lose the wonder of meeting Joyce. I never want to lose the, the, the wonder and the majesty, the magical moment of looking at when we got married. And 24 years is nothing. For some of you in the room, you're married longer. But the point is, it's, it's when you're married, you can stop forgetting. You, you can take it for granted. And, and I think it's the same with our relationship with Jesus. It's likened unto a marriage. It, you can take it for granted. You can take him for granted. Well, he's always been there. He'll always forgive me. And, 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 and I don't want to take that presumption of Joyce. Well, she, I, I've made mistakes in the past. And oh, I'm sorry again. I won't do it again. And, 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 and we all do this because we get it wrong. But I want you to know that even when we get it wrong with Jesus... He is forever forgiving, forever loving, forever accepting. There is no one that will love you with an everlasting love. And we just get to get a small part of what he really is. And that's why Easter's a big deal. Number two, Jesus was wounded so that we could be healed. This is something I want to stir our hearts on more than ever. First Peter chapter 2, 24. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By His wounds, by His stripes, you are healed. And that's why communion is one of the greatest gifts that He gave to the church. Remembering what He has done for you. Remembering that, that sickness, that disease. And, and this is where it gets challenging because some people say, well, I prayed and they died. I prayed and nothing happened. And these are human experiences that we've all in some degree had. I've prayed for friends that have died. Is that going to stop me praying? But you know, I've never put my faith in my ability. I've always put my faith in Jesus. I've learned that I'm going to go for the healer, not just the healing. See, if you go for the person, you'll be amazed what it comes with the person. But if you just go for what the person can do, you may just get a little bit upset because we put preferences and we put expectations on how it's got to be done. I'm not trying to give all the answers because I don't have all the answers. What I am trying to say is, is that I'm not going to allow setbacks to pull me away from God. I'm not going to allow disappointments to pull me away from God. I'm not going to allow defeat to pull me away from God because if I get into this story, he tells me that victory can come out of defeat. There's something about the hope that God brings. There's something about the message of the cross and the message of Jesus that humanity still needs to hear. So church, let's make Easter a big deal again. I know you can be on holiday, but be the one that comes back with a shout, a praise, a shout of victory. Because... I believe that sends so much more out to a dying world than anything else we can come up with. 
Jesus was made sinless so we could become righteous. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for God made Christ who had never sinned to be an offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I don't know if you can get close to it, but the picture I could give you maybe today is maybe someone leaves you some money and they put a hundred thousand euros in your bank account and they give you the EC card with the pin number. Woo! And they say, all of this is access to this and all of this is for you. And you got the card, you got the pin number, you got the money in the bank and all you got to do is make a withdrawal. It's called an inheritance and you can withdraw from it as often as you want. That's what you do when you take communion. That's what you do when you're obedient to water baptism. That's what you do when you take what God has given you to strengthen you. But what's the point of sitting here with the PIN number, with the EC card, knowing you've got something on your behalf and refusing to take it? There's something wrong with that picture. Now, you may not like the illustration because I've used money, but I'm trying to say what God has done for you is glorious. It's majestic. It's abundant. It never runs out. It never gets old. And I want you to understand this, and this is going to affect some people here today. For you to become righteous, there is not one thing you can do. Bible college, reading your Bible, giving millions and billions to the work of Jesus or to the work of orphans or to the work of the poor or to work. There's nothing. That's why the Jews were offended at the work of the cross because they put the whole emphasis on what they can do. All religions have this premise. If we didn't have a sin problem, we would not have a religion problem. It's because we are sinners, we need to find a religion that will help us understand there's something better ahead of us. And that's why it's incredibly attractive, especially to needy, broken people. What am I trying to say today? It doesn't matter at the end of the day, how bad you feel about yourself or what mistakes you've got going on or what habits you're not proud of or what shame and guilt you want no one to know about. We've all got stuff under the bridge. We've all got stuff in our past. What you gotta know about is, is it's been taken care of and you gotta find power. Withdraw from the account. Withdraw from His goodness. Withdraw from His promises. Grace doesn't make you worse. It makes you bigger. It makes you better. I'm not proud of when I miss the mark. I'm not proud when I say the wrong thing at the, at the worst times. I'm not proud of doing things that dishonour the name of Jesus. But what I am saying is, is, I know where my salvation is. I know where my hope is. I know where my strength is. I know where my redemption is. I know where the hope of God lies for me. And it's in the cross. It's in the blood. It's in the name. <laughs> 